Do you love audiobooks? You can get a free 30-day trial membership to audible.com by visiting audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. They have thousands of audiobook titles as well as podcasts, guided wellness programs, theatrical performances, A-list comedy, and exclusive Audible originals you won't find anywhere else. Get your free trial membership at audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. Welcome to the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, a show exploring the lives of professional musicians of all types, touring musicians, recording artists, songwriters, engineers, bar bands, wedding bands, and anyone making their living in the music industry. Whether you've dreamed of being a professional or you already are one, this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Eric Baines, and I hope that you not only find some entertainment here, but also some helpful tips, trade secrets, and ideas that will help you achieve your dreams. So one of the toughest parts about moving to the big city to uh, follow your dreams is that you most of the time have to leave your family behind unless you're really lucky. And being away from family can be tough. Um, But I think music provides you a space to meet people and it brings people together naturally. So you end up getting used to making family. And my guest today is part of my family by marriage now. He's my brother-in-law. And he's a musician, he's a songwriting partner, he's a singer, he's also an actor. He's been in movies such as Disney's Halloween Town High, Return to Halloween Town, High School Musical 1, 2, and 3, also Milk with Sean Penn, College Road Trip, The Adventures of Food Boy, Little Women, Alice Upside Down. He's been on TV. He was in a show called Switched at Birth. He's been on Smallville, Veronica Mars, Boston Legal, CSI Crime Scene Investigation. He's done tons of voiceover acting. He's been on many episodes of Family Guy. He's a star of Pinky Malinky on Netflix, The Cleveland show robot chicken sheriff Callie's wild west but he's also a musician he's got an ep called sunshine which we we did in 2011 he's had songs in many films and tv he's sung in arenas and stadiums all over the country and other parts of the world not to mention the soundtracks from three high school musical movies that uh, two of which were the best-selling records of that year I'd also like to note that this was recorded on June 4th, 2020, and some of the things that we talk about already feel a little dated, even though it was less than two months ago, but things are moving fast in the world today. But keep that in mind as you listen to my conversation with Lucas Grabiel. Thanks for coming. Hey, my pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank and you between, for having like, me. Uh, lockdown and you know, the protest, I didn't think we were going to be able to, to do it. I know. We thankfully, postponed this like twice. Thankfully, everyone has, um, you know, gotten the great message to like, you know, stay um, civil, I yeah. guess, with the protests and things. So the, the yeah. uh, curfew has been lifted, which is. Yeah, it was our first night with no curfew. But I would say the one thing that the one the best thing probably that's come out of all of this is uh, social distance, which is a great number that you <laughs> wrote and performed. <laughs> Why? You like thank that? you. I did. That was a really nice transition. See, I tell you, I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm getting good at yeah, this. No, that's cool. Well, I, <laughs> when you just said social distance, I thought, oh, well, 
I mean, no, yeah, we we are six feet apart and right. all that, but oh, you mean the song, right? The song "Social Distance." <laughs> Social distance. <laughs> like we wouldn't have that, you know, in the world without all of this. Exactly. So yeah, no, there's a silver lining. It was, uh, it you know, it was one of those things that, um, as a lot of ideas come to you at random times, and I have always, I I have ideas that I think are funny all the time and I'll sometimes make a note in my phone but so much of the time you know you take the one day test you look back at it at it again and you're either like what the hell was I thinking or oh this is not funny at all and it kind of stuck with me for a couple of days and I thought well I mean surely this social distancing you know all of us staying at home is only going to last like a week maybe two that's what we thought yeah, I know. <clears throat> and here we are like two and a half months into it. <laughs> no, it's insane. So, uh, yeah, then it was like, all right, let's, let's just take it the next step further and then the next step further. And you created a kick-ass track. Well, and thank you. so that was, you know, oh, I should actually, this is real. This is what <laughs> I should actually do this. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, once the, uh, mix was done and everything, it was like, oh, well, this needs a video now. So, yeah. You know, but, that, but before you got to the video, though, you kind of this is kind of your maybe not your first production, but like I made the track, I made the music, but then I sent it to you and you did all the rest. And how was that? Um, that was uh, <laughs> I asked because I know <laughs> oh, it was awful. <laughs> uh, very little that I hate more than recording and editing my own vocals. It's yeah. just the worst. Right. Um, I. Yeah, I hate everything. And I don't keep anything either. So I just I'll sing a I'll sing a take and if I don't like one part of it, I just delete it. Yeah, and I'm like right. and I'll just go and go and go. And then I'm like, yeah. Oh, I've been recording for four hours and I have one one right. track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. I do a lot of it myself. And <sighs> and uh but it's a great learning experience. Oh yeah. Like, I was kinda happy when you were just taking it on and going for it because what else are you going to do on lockdown? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, everyone else is, it seems like everyone else is learning a new language or doing some uh, extremely productive thing. So, uh, you know, I'm, right. <laughs> most days I feel pretty useless during this whole thing, but that was actually like, oh, I have, I have a purpose today. I can wake up and, right. you know, make even if it's silly um hopefully i mean that was the whole point make a silly video that's relatable to what the situation is what we're all feeling right and hopefully you know people dig it <laughs> of course the second you release something like that it's like oh uh are people going to hate it like what's you know social media is just terrible about that like yeah you just never know right There's i know al- it's like going to be a divide is this the first or the last thing I'll ever do? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a podcast. But then I get, uh, you know, uh, Kenny Ortega calling me and uh, he was like, hey, so bet, you know, she's a longtime friend. Wow. And uh, I just thought this was amazing and I'd love to share it with her. Is it okay if I send it to her? I was like, well, I mean, it's on social media, so I just send it to everybody. Right, right. It's, <laughs> it's just, but it, it's kind of private, but maybe yes. <laughs> but I love that old school, um, old Hollywood kind of thing about it. And I mean, Autumn and I grew up, you know, dancing around and uh, singing Bette Midler when we were kids cleaning the house. Right. So it was kind of a cool uh, full circle thing. It was like, wow, I never thought Bette Midler would ever hear me sing. 
uh, let alone me covering or you know doing a parody of one of her songs. So right. that was really cool. Right, that's amazing. Social distance, the world met COVID nineteen. As a cough, bro. Now we're quarantined inside. Don't go out unless you walk in your dog, yo. Social distance. Don't gather in groups. No parties. Please. Bra- and don't even think of booking a flight. Not even to see your mom, bro, especially if she's over 60. Social distance. There is no harmony. Except that sick harmony right there, bro. And fears that go and through the land. Fear to cough or sneeze. Crazy, Just y'all. be smart and wash your freaking hands. That's what I'm saying, man. It's easy. Just wash your hands. Wash those hands. Wash those hands. Autumn, of course, being your sister, my wife. Yes. Just for those of you who don't know. Yes. <laughs> we are officially related. But marriage. <laughs> this is a really good, right. really good wet, uh, marriage, too. A uh, wedding, I guess. <laughs> a wet marriage. It was a good wet marriage. <laughs> well, thank you. Yes, you actually uh, married us. I did. That was that was pretty awesome. I married you. It, it was an amazing day. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm starting this whole podcast just going down people that were at my wedding. So it's been it's been mentioned the whole time. <laughs> it was. I mean, I've never. I I I don't know of any other wedding with better music for sure. Um, I mean, like all of the all of the people were yeah. there. Um, yeah, we had like four bands. It was incredible. <laughs> incredible. It was fun. I mean, that's the nice thing about knowing musicians. And I was like, don't buy me a gift. I, you know, just please play some music. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you dinner. <laughs> you know, so, it, you know, it worked out pretty good. Yeah. I had a good time. That's for sure. I think everybody did. Yeah. And you've also just released a cool cover of When the Party's Over. Oh, yeah. Was that fun to make? Uh, No. <laughs> <laughs> it's another thing that's like, here I am by myself making a... Yeah, I mean, that's the other th- crazy thing about this quarantine. It's like not having that collaboration mm-hmm. is really difficult. Especially, like, I-, I know a lot of people love doing uh, creative things on their own. And and I do a lot of times, but when it comes to music and, and especially, I mean, it's, it's so funny because I've been doing, I've been playing instruments and singing uh, since I was a kid and I still, you know, you put a microphone in front of me or a camera on me and I get so nervous still. And I just like freeze up. And again, right. I do take after take after take. And if it's not perfect, then, you know, I'm like, yeah. oh, well, that sucked. That was the worst <laughs> thing ever. Yeah. And yeah, fighting, fighting your inner demons. And, and then, you know, at the time, um, my buddy was staying with me. And so, that added a whole other layer because he's in the other right. room uh, editing a TV show, uh, working from home. And here I am <laughs> singing, you know, uh, loudly throughout the house, yeah. which... Uh, you and know. dark and vulnerable. And Oh, yeah, totally. Just, there's nothing better than that, that feeling of being really vulnerable, just waiting for the door to open or oh. like, you know, for someone to come in and just ruin the entire moment. <laughs> oh. Yeah, oh. We, had a, we had a thing before... Um, uh, when he was still working, every time he came home, I was always playing the piano. And it was like, oh, well, the only time that I sit down and play the piano is when you walk in the door. It's like, you know, some 
weird <laughs> telepathy thing or right. something. Right. If you know. ever need him to come home, then that's what you do. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, you plan to do more of that stuff? Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, well, I was planning on doing a lot more of that stuff. Um, you know, social media this week right, uh, is right. just a, it's, it's, it's different. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, and it should be different. Right. Um, but if, if the last few months, if, if 2020 as of yet has taught us anything, it's that we don't know what the hell is going to happen tomorrow. Cause right. I mean, it seems yeah. like it's unbelievable, literally, uh, aliens could, could come down and and uh, take over tomorrow, yeah. and we'd all be like, "Okay, cool." I mean, I was betting on zombies, but you know, sure, <laughs> yeah, aliens, makes sense. I know. Yeah, so that was another reason I kind of wanted to postpone too, is this just didn't feel like we should be talking about music right this second. I know. <laughs> you know I needed yeah. we needed a couple of days and let everything relax a little bit, even just to get your brain in it. You know? Oh, yeah. It's really I I do find it uh, hard to be creative when. You know, there's so much going on and you want, you want to be informed and educated and a part of it and, and, and as helpful as you can be. Right. But, at, you know, I, I can't begin to understand what yeah. people go through. You right. Know? Um, yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's a tough situation, but um, yeah. yeah, I do have a, 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 I had a lot of songs that I've been working on and um hopefully uh there will be a right time and space for some nice music and levity and 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 that kind of thing because uh, that's really why i i am even on social media i kind of hate it but right. <laughs> i'm an entertainer and that's what i love to do i love interacting with people and fans and and all of that stuff i've been so lucky to to be in so many um really cool projects that you know, I have a platform. And so, yeah, when I, when I can entertain people, um, you know, I'd love to do it. So if, if I'm quarantined, then, uh, (laughs) making videos in my house, uh, is all I can do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you made some videos that went on prime time not too long ago. Oh, right. Which is, look at you in your transitions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it just, well, it's interesting because I, I also did a, and a thing with a friend of mine, Rudy, who's on mm-hmm. another podcast, uh, another episode of this. Uh, we did a Facebook Live performance, and it's just so awkward as a musician because we, I'm used to having an audience. Yeah. And so it just makes the whole, it's something to get used to. Yeah. And, and it might sort of end up being the future in a weird way mm-hmm. because all these, I feel like it's, it, it becomes a look now that people are still going to want to use even after they don't have to. You know what I mean? Sure. So I wonder if this is going to be a part of your, your in my life, you know, for the future. But then I started thinking about you and how like you've been on, you, you've, you've done a lot of film and TV work where there's no audience. So maybe not as weird for you. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, you know, the countless times I've auditioned at home on right. tape and stuff It's you know, I, I used to have a room in the house that was just dedicated to that. Um, right. And... So, yeah, I mean, but <laughs> that just brings up um, only memories of anxiety <laughs> and terror. <laughs> right. Because uh, I hate doing that too. So, you know, I, yeah, I think you're right, though. I think there, 
I, and I've had many moments while thinking and brainstorming and learning these songs and thinking of, of different things to do in the future. Uh, yeah, how much of this is, is going to be part of my regular career, you know? Right. And yeah, I mean, that's really the only way that you can get stuff out right now. So yeah, I think we ought to get just, just get used to it because we have more control over right. ourselves, you know, our, our situation by, you know, doing these live things. But yeah. And well, I mean, like now that you have this space, this is, this is incredible. You know, you, right. you, uh, yeah, I'm, we're now in my, what used to be my garage, which is now a, a, a recording studio of sorts. A beautiful recording <laughs> studio. And, uh, yeah, it's been really cool and, and yeah, we did our, our live Facebook thing from here too. And it's a cool, it's a multi-use space, obviously podcasts. We've done already a, a ton of music in here Yeah, and now live stuff. So that's oh, great. Um, yeah, it's awesome. So let's talk about songwriting. Cause me and you have written, I don't even know how many songs. Six. A bunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there was that one. Oh yeah. Well, we kind of 6.2. Stole... Right. Yeah. 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 No. <laughs> so use, I use the song, the term song loosely. <laughs> uh, no, we've written a ton of songs. And we most, our most recent thing was uh, for a movie that you did called little women. Mm-hmm. And not the most recent Little Women, though. No, not <laughs> not the uh, the Timothy Chalamet. Um, oh, I, I I I've said the one guy's name in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I played the same role that Tim, Timothy Chalamet played. So, right. as you know, all actors, everything's about me. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm glad I don't have to. You know. Dance around. around that. <laughs> uh, no, but, uh, I starred in this amazing film called Little Women. Um, <laughs> and we, you wrote most of the song, but we wrote a song for the credits and yeah. I produced it. But uh, you brought it in as the verses were pretty much done. And I think me and you just worked on the choruses. But, yeah. And they're based on the, the script, essentially, like the dialogue from the movie or from the book. Yeah. So was that, as a songwriter, like easier for you to do or was it more constraining? You know, uh, I I found it easier. I I love writing when there's a um, a project, a, like a a goal to right. go for. Um, I like <clears throat> I write a lot of stuff that's just you know feelings and oh this is something that's important to me and I need to express it and blah blah blah. But um, yeah, having that kind of um, uh, goal or like. Um, What's the word? Uh, purpose. Purpose. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. To be like, okay, this this is a song. It needs to be about this, and and I think music and movies just go so hand in hand. Right. And I love songs that invoke visuals and and you know spark the imagination and all that stuff. So when you already have the movie, I mean, I start. I wrote it in a couple of nights while we were actually on set. Oh, that's cool. Just you know, I, I watched a scene and someone said something and I was like, oh, that's a song lyric. And then I was like, oh yeah, that's, yeah, we can do that. We can, <laughs> we can make a song. And then I ran it by the director and the producers and they, they were like, oh, this is great. And, uh, I, I even remember like, I, I was like reading some lyrics, um, on our last night of, of filming. Cause I had finished the verses that time. And everyone was like, you know, we were crying because the, well, I wasn't crying. I'm a man. <laughs> oh boy. Here we go again. <laughs> uh, the women, the right. little ones. Right. The, yeah. The little chicks. The, 
they were all bawling their eyes out. Uh, no, but it, it was uh, it was it was cool to to essentially, um, especially because the lyrics are so important to have the the kind of uh, blessing of of the, everyone involved to be like, right. yeah, this is really you, you know encapsulating what what the movie was to us and what it is and the story and all of that stuff. So that was really cool. And then yeah, we we. We did it again. We we banged out an awesome uh, track and yeah, song. it was fun. I remember we, a lot of that stuff was just percussion that we're making up as we go. We're like stomped on the floor for the kick drum, and, yeah, and just beating on general just stuff in the room, yeah, <laughs> you know, to yeah. make it happen. That, that was, was really fun. That was cool. Yeah, and adding the little creaks and uh, oh yeah, that was I was like stepping on your floorboards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Recording the floor creaks. <laughs> Which yeah, is cool. Which went well with the movie because it's like a more of a modern take. Yeah. I mean, uh, check out Little Women because it's a great story. Uh, obviously, yeah, they've they've retold it so many times. And right. and this is this one's so is is different because it's uh it's modern day and and mm-hmm. kind of you know moves the story into um something that I think is a little bit more digestible and um and it's cute. We made it for practically nothing and it looks beautiful so it's a cute it's a cute film yeah i liked it that was good whisper sister secrets that stay within the hedge stomp your feet and kiss the book in solidarity pledge plan the castles in the attic before your golden rings Paper birds sing her song, do all the things. Drink the painful rain that drips on the memory. Dropped another stock bound with self reverie. Scream from the tallest so the mountains hear your dreams. She's always here reminding you. You also do another scene where you sang another song that we wrote called Beautiful Day. Oh, yeah. So you worked on, you know, you put two in there. Well, uh, when when my friend McLean Nelson told me about the script and them making the movie, uh, I was like, hey, you know... um, you know who should be Marnie is Leah Thompson. And he was like, oh, that's a great idea. And I was like, yeah, I have her phone number because she played my mom on (laughs) television for seven years. And so (laughs) after we worked out that, uh, I kind of became a little uh, producer on the movie. Um, I think I was a co-producer, which anything besides just executive producer or producer Mm. is absolutely meaningless <laughs> but um you know being on set i got to like help out and and you know it's it's nice when it's like oh hey you guys need some music well right. <laughs> i just happen to have this guitar and this song that i wrote that's awesome. what do you think about that and they're like yeah great so yeah right. it was awesome yeah and it's interesting because if you watch the movie it's an acoustic version of it, but it's really like an EDM track on the, if you, you know, right. it's, it's like a dance tune, totally. on, on the real, the, the original produ- production of it. So yeah, um, you can uh, check that out on YouTube too. It's a pretty cool thing. It was actually a charity thing that we did for a little girl with cancer. And, you know, so when you watch the video, that's going to be the start of it. You do have the right video. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's a little girl who introduces and stuff, and and uh, he made a video and we made a song, and it was kind of it was a cool thing. It was a cool thing. Um, you know, I got to meet her uh, over video chat beforehand and talk to her, get to know her a little bit, and then you and I wrote the song and produced it, and and then I um, I actually went to see her in Chicago, and and we filmed a bunch of stuff. But after we got done filming, I was like no, this actually needs to be bigger and like have more people involved. So I just had all of these people sending these videos from fans to fellow actors and other people to uh, family and friends just to um, say what what made a beautiful day to them. And, and then, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a cool... Yeah, uh, it's, it's really cool. Also got a song in another show that you were on that was kind of awesome. I Bro- thought it was great. Called Switched at Birth. Yeah. Which um was an interesting experience. And I, I kind of wanted to talk about this in terms of like getting your your uh, music on TV because we sort of got into a little situation with the music supervisor. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird thing because the writers were actually asking you, hey, do you write songs? But the music supervisor was being sort of cut out of the loop, and that didn't make her too happy about it. And not at all. And I remember literally like getting a phone call, "Don't write any more songs." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a real lesson for me as well, just as in the, like the chain of command and how to navigate something like that. I didn't have much communication with anybody, but you were on the front lines of it, you know. Totally. It was it was a big lesson in humility for sure. Because <laughs> you know, I mean. Um, I, uh, you know, it's no secret. I'm not a huge part of, of the show, especially not in the beginning. Um, I was basically just the brother. Mm-hmm. And so I would work a couple of days a week or whatever and, um, come in and, and say my one line and be done for the day, <laughs> <laughs> which was a cool, cool gig. But, you know, yeah. at the same time, I'm always wanting to do more. And so when, yeah, the opportunity came up, I mean, originally my character was some, drug dealing gambling addict like punk and Mm. after we shot the pilot um and the producers got to know me a little better they're like oh yeah you do music you're a singer um and would you would you be okay if toby had his own band and if he was a musician i was like yeah yeah, (laughs) so yeah and then all like you said all the writers got super excited and they're pumping me up and saying yeah like you you know this is great and i'm like okay cool so um we wrote a bunch of tracks yeah and um good songs that will never be heard by anybody (laughs) maybe we should put those out right yeah (laughs) um and yeah and so when when they basically said no what do you think you're doing you little actor boy you're you're supposed to memorize your lines and stand on your mark and say those and be quiet all of the other times and yeah it was kind of um you know i knew it wasn't personal but it's hard not to take those things personal personally um especially when you work so hard creatively coming up with things that are right. I mean we wrote songs that were specifically written for that band to right. to sound like a high school group of kids you know mm-hmm. performing or writing and no offense to any of the other writers who wrote songs for the <clears throat> the show um before and after 
Right. Uh, we had some good songs, um, but nothing was as tailored to the story and to the character as what we did. I mean, right. it was literally coming from me, which, you know, I had a pretty close relationship to the character. <laughs> but, right. you know, that's that's the lesson. You, you can't take yourself too seriously and you can't always rely on... Um, you know, what one person says, because, you know, it's a whole team. There's a, there's right. hundreds right. of people. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we didn't even, I didn't even know, uh, the music supervisor before that happened. Gotcha. And sadly, you know, we kind of got off on the wrong foot because of that thing. And I think she probably thought that I was trying to, you know, come in and take over or something. And so subsequently, <laughs> All of the other records for the the future records recordings were not bad, but you know it, it, it could have been a lot more comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Because they because then they went to outside writers, but you still had to sing it. Yeah. So now you have to be in the room with with folks and, and the big thing it just was makes is it that yeah, you and I wanted to write songs and then still own the rights to them. And right. I think this is the the right. big thing. And and you know Disney and. Uh, Disney, uh, a.k.a. the ruler of the world. Um, <laughs> right. You know, uh, doesn't do things like that. They're like, we want to own everything that right. goes on our shows and movies. And, and I mean, that's not always the case. But, you know, for, for the level of TV show that Switched at Birth was at that time, it was like, no, we're going to pay a guy, a producer, a session fee, essentially, to write a song that he is never going to touch or own or have anything else right. from ever to work again. for hire right yeah which um you know that's a lot of people make their living um so it's it's not something that way so that's not like a a bad thing but you know coming from the artist i was like <laughs> oh, i can write a song that's like really from the character right right yeah and you know all the songs were fine but we did get one song on, <laughs> and we did get one on, yeah. and that led to an EP, which yeah. we, you know, we sort Sunshine. of coordinated. Yeah, the Sunshine EP that we had coordinated to kind of come out when the show, when that show aired, and and that uh, I don't know, I had a good time making all of that. Oh, so that was so much fun. It certainly wasn't a waste, and and you know, you write songs, and who knows if uh, if something's going to come up in in a year from now when the, everything started going again, and they might need one of those songs, and we'll have it. You know, exactly. So I'm not. I don't think it's a regret, but it was definitely a lesson in like, okay, find out the music supervisor first. First, yeah. <laughs> and uh, put it in her ear, well, his or her ear. And I remember because we wrote uh, we wrote some songs um, during one of our hiatuses. Um, and right. so I showed up basically like coming back to school from summer with my CDs right. that I was like handing out to the writers and stuff. <laughs> I mean like, hey guys, I was really busy during my break. <laughs> I wrote a bunch of songs for the band that this should be on the TV show. Your right. job is done. And they're like, oh yeah, this is, I mean, it, it was funny because the first re the responses I got from the writers who knew nothing about how the inner workings of the company are, you know, uh, concerned were like, oh my God, these songs are great. And this is awesome. Oh, I can't wait. And then, um, yeah, the producer was like, um, yeah, so no. <laughs> no yeah. and you and you can stop now like yeah, we don't yeah, want like, any more don't CDs write circulating. any more songs yeah it was that was amazing <laughs> <laughs> but you know like i said we got one on it was great totally it was a great song she shines she lights up any space her 
smile fits perfect on her face. Yeah, she's my girl. Sometimes the darkness fills my skies. Won't break no matter how she tries to light my. So when did you start writing songs? A lot like a lot of kids um, started probably 10 different garage bands uh, when I was a kid. All, you know, basically a lot of all the same people just switching instruments or or band titles or whatever. Um, my first, well, one of my first bands, <laughs> um, I think I was 12 I th- yeah, I think it was like 11 or 12. Oh. And um, it was like some friends from church. And a couple of the guys in the band were homeschooled. Or one of them was homeschooled. I, don't, I can't remember. Wow. Anyway, their moms came over to hear us rehearse to make sure that we, weren't, we were not playing any secular music. Wow. We had, we had to be a Christian band. Wow. And of course, we were not playing any Christian. We learned one Christian song <laughs> so that we could play it when the moms came to pick him up and be like, hey, look, we're rocking out on this hymn. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. But of course, we were playing like, you know, Blink-182 and, and um, oh God, I can't even remember other uh, bands that we played. But yeah, like punk and, and um, really bad 90s um, rock. <laughs> rock. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I, uh, there was one guy who, um, his name's Kyle. He, he, uh, he and I wrote, uh, our first song together. I think I was, yeah, I think I was like 12 or 13. Um, it was called Nintendo. Cause that's, that's what, you know, they always say, write what you know. Right. And, and that's uh, what you know. That's what I know. So that's awesome. Well, I've played that song many times now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, still, it still holds up as well. It's a crowd favorite. People now it's like a retro thing. Yeah, yeah. Now it's nostalgia, right? Um, That's awesome. But yeah, you know, it's funny. I've I've poured my heart out and spent years writing, uh, attempting at writing eloquent lyrics, and and the most requested song is the one about <laughs> Nintendo that I wrote when I was a preteen. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, they they talk about Mozart in that sense too. He wrote most of his stuff when he was younger like six years old, he started writing or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like you just relate to it differently because it's simple. It's complicated, but in a, in a simple childlike way. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, I don't know. I'm just saying that when I listen to Nintendo, it reminds me of Mozart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I should do a string um, arrangement of it sometime. Yeah, that'd be perfect. And you grew up in Springfield, Missouri. Mm-hmm. 
with, well, my, with my wife. I, <laughs> <laughs> I grew up with your wife. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, we we actually grew up in um, the boonies, uh, which I had to to tell some British friends the other day what that was because I just said it off the cuff. I was like, I grew right. up out in the boonies, and they're like, uh, what? Yeah, and I, I wonder what that means in in the British oh, you know, yeah, vernacular. I, know. <laughs> I stopped myself really quickly because I'm like. I don't know what that could mean, but it's probably going to be bad. Right. Uh, I was like, it just means that you don't have any neighbors and you live on a really long dirt road that that just kind of goes on and on until it ends at your house. Wow. Um, so yeah, we lived uh, outside of a town of 2,500 people. Wow. So super, super small, um, which was great in a lot of ways. Um, freedom to run around, uh, right. you know, spraying my sister with the hose in the summer you know uh i guess you can do that anywhere you don't have to i do it all the time (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah no it was great but i always wanted i like i remember vividly being outside in this like picturesque you know beautiful ozarks uh backwoods you know Mm -hmm. kind of scenery setting and all I wanted to do was be able to walk to a 7-Eleven and get a Slurpee and play stickball with some New York kids from the 1920s. Right, yeah. <laughs> I had a really weird view of what living in the city was like. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I was kind of the same way. Like, I I think you're, you're born a certain way. I don't know. Maybe there's probably a spectrum, but yeah. I, I grew up in the burbs, like as, as suburban as it gets, but I always wanted to be in the city yeah. always. And I grew up in Colorado. So it was near mountains and lots of wilderness. Don't care. Don't <laughs> to this day. Don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm much more happier in LA, you know, concrete jungle, New York, Boston, you know, the college of Boston, awesome city. Yeah. And I was, Oh man, when I first got there, I was just, this is, this is what I always dreamed of, and I never got tired of it. Oh yeah, you know. And here I am, been in LA for twenty years, and still loving it. Yeah, no, I do too. I remember first time I was sixteen when I went to New York for the first time, and the cab went straight from. Of course, we stayed in in Times Square because that's right. yeah, that's what you do when you're in from Missouri. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, I kind of do it anymore, anyways, because it's just near everything. Like, you know, yeah, like, no, it is. It's the cheapest hotels, you know, <laughs> and like you're right next to Broadway, and you know, yeah. you know all the shows, and I don't know. Usually, if I'm going there as a tourist, then I'm I'm just going there as a tourist. Right. You know no, I mean? totally. If I'm working, then we'll stay wherever I right, wherever right, I right. Stay, but. No, but I so remember that moment of like stepping out of the cab and just like seeing, taking it all in and feeling that energy and the terrible smell. And, um, <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, man, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I'm going to so be cool. here someday. Yeah. So did you originally think about going to New York or was yeah, it always yeah. LA? Or? I really yeah. thought, I always thought I was going to, to move to New York. Um, I was going to work at Chevy's uh, as a waiter. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> You know, um, when you found out you could do that here, you're like, oh, <laughs> and I can have like a, a, an apartment that's the size of two closets instead of one. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, no, but yeah, I thought it was going to be a really long, hard uh, battle to to get my way on Broadway, but it was it was nothing was going to stop me kind of thing. And then, yeah, um, year before I graduated high school, I visited L.A. and. Ooh, I was like, wow, this place is really cool and it's so much better weather. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, on top of that, I 
was ordering a smoothie and a guy came up to me and basically, you know, did the Cinderella uh, discovery story and was like, hey, kid, you got to look. Wow. You should be in the pitches. <laughs> uh, and I was like, whoa, that's why I'm here. And yeah, he was my manager for 10 years, which um, just... That's crazy. In, insane. It was yeah, awesome. that's hitting the lottery. Yeah, definitely. I mean, which kind of led to really hitting the lottery. Like, how far from that was High School Musical? Um, so, uh, three years. So, <laughs> including yeah. a year of high school. So, yeah. Oh, wow, right. I met, I met him. This was the summer before senior year. I go back home. He's sending me auditions. And I'm like, my first audition I taped at the football field. Because it was like, I was playing a football player in some, or I was auditioning. It was, it was not even an audition. He was sending me a tape just to see if I, if I could act or not. Right. Um, but yeah, so I he was sending me more and more. And I was like, look, I, I can't be in student council and choir and band and, you know, theater shows and all of this stuff and focus on starting a career in LA when I'm 2000 miles away. Like, let's right. just chill for a minute. Mm -hmm. I promise I'll come out. And he, he was like, oh yeah, I'm never going to hear from this kid again. And then I graduated high school and was like, hey, I'm coming August 1st. And he's like, whoa, okay, cool. Wow. So first week I had um, agent meetings and uh, signed, signed one right away. Um, and uh, yeah, within five months, I had done three national commercials and a movie for Disney. Wow, that's fast. Super fast. And then about two, then, then the first lull happened, which was um, awful, but mm -hmm. such a great learning experience. Yeah. Um, you know, did the whole like, got into an accident, had my hood of my car held on by bungee cords and <laughs> the light was was taped on with duct tape. Wow. It was I was really trying to bring the Missouri yeah. to Los Angeles <laughs> as much as possible. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah, about two two and a half years from when I first moved to LA was when I booked High School Musical. And wow. then, yeah, that's when I was like, uh, okay, Blockbuster, I'm not working here anymore. <laughs> Which is probably good because they don't exist anymore. Yeah. You were going to lose that job anyways. <laughs> oh, man. A, a, month before, a month before I quit, the district manager was like, Lucas, I just I want to talk to you. you. You're great. You're a great employee. And I see a future uh, with you in Blockbuster. No way. They tried to promote me so many times and I was like, no, I will not be a manager of any Blockbuster. <laughs> I am I am having the least amount of responsibility possible. I mean, you might have your own store one day. <laughs> That's Think what he said. where your life would have been. That's what he said. He was like, <laughs> look at me. I'm a district manager. Wow. And hey, nothing against being the district manager of, of uh, several Blockbusters right. back then. Right. But we all know what happened. To yeah, it. but they're all, they don't have those jobs either. Right. No. Yeah. I, I saw my first manager, the guy who hired me in my first job. Well, no, I actually booked my first commercial before Blockbuster got back to me because I had three rounds of interviews for <laughs> a Blockbuster. Did you job. have to send in a video first? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you wow. my profiles. Um, <laughs> and anyway, yeah, I saw him a couple years ago um, working at Bed Bath & Beyond. And I was like, Mike, oh my God, it's me, Lucas. You hired me like, you know, when I was a little kid at Blockbuster. Wow. And I could see he was like, oh, like, I don't know, it was kind of a sad moment. <laughs> oh to man, be I can imagine. Because 
you know, he was like, hey, well, so everything's going well with you then. <laughs> oh, no. And I was like, hey, there's nothing wrong with working at Bed Bath & Beyond if, if you enjoy it. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, were, you just had different goals. Yeah. You know? So, I don't he know. He set his sights on retail. You had other plans. Yeah, and I never, yeah, I, it, that's, that's, that's why I couldn't be anything more than a CSR. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think it's important to keep your eye on the ball, for sure. Especially totally. when those opportunities, that the easy ones come up, you know, you got to know when to say no, because especially at that age, it's like you got nothing to lose. This is the time to be forcing yourself to struggle to, to make it to, to where you're going. Totally. And I looked like I was 12, <laughs> I, so I couldn't get a fake ID with all the money in the world. Um, <laughs> I, so I, you know, I, I was 18. Um, I, so, you know, I wasn't in school. So the only friends I had were coworkers at Blockbuster. Right. Um, and my buddy, Michael Brown, who moved out, uh, with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was, there was nothing else to do, but focus on the career. Right. And it was like every day, wake up, what can I do today to get myself, um, further? I actually did record my first album during that time (laughs) with those long, like, eight inch long computer mics. Whoa. Remember those? The yeah. USB mics? Totally. And I had to like barely sing sometimes and sing off to the thing. Cause if you just like talk in a normal voice, it would peak. <laughs> <laughs> no compression yet. No compression. And, uh, and yeah, everything had to funny. be in one take. <laughs> no editing either. So yeah. Was, wow. Uh, I have to confess something. I I love books, but I I don't love reading, and it's it's been something that I've I've wrestled with since I was a kid. You know, I, I can read. I have read books, but they're very time consuming, and I've spent most of my time trying to build a music career, <laughs> which takes a lot of time. But one thing I definitely do a lot of is drive in LA traffic on my way to a gig. And there's a solution that combines those two situations, and that's called Audible.com. Audible has thousands of audiobook titles, and you can listen offline anywhere, anytime. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. And they have just a ton of music-related titles, like All You Need to Know About the Music Business by Donald S. Passman, How Music Works by David Byrne, or Music Production Secrets by Calvin Carter. And you can get a free 30-day trial right now if you visit audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. That's audibletrial.com slash divebarrockstar. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening to the Dive Bar Rockstar podcast. As a new podcast, getting the word out is a vital part of what it takes to keep the show on the road. Uh, or off the road, as the current case may be. If you would like to support the podcast, all you got to do is subscribe wherever you listen. And if you have an extra minute or two, please leave a review. You can also share and follow the podcast on your social media apps. Okay, enough begging. I hope you're having fun. And once again, thank you for listening. So then you got the High School Musical movies. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, or the movie, the first movie, really, mm-hmm. um, I'll take it slower because we met on the next phase, which was the concert tour. Yeah. Um, but when you got that, were you, so here's a situation again where like music is coming back and like, you didn't just get an acting job. Yeah. You, you got a, a triple threat job, you know, was that exciting at the time? 
Were you I, excited to get the role? Well, I mean, yes and no. I, I really, it was, like I said, it was after um, my first kind of lull, uh, mm-hmm. not working and, and really hating working at Blockbuster and not having, you know, something, you know, it, when you don't have control over your own destiny, it's just, it's the worst. Yes. Um, but, you know, I told some friends and even Autumn, my sister, that I had this uh, callback for this untitled high school musical project. And as soon as I just said the title, everyone's like, oh, well, you're totally going to get it. I mean, you are Mr. Theater guy. <laughs> and I was like, but I don't, maybe, maybe that's not what I want to be. Maybe I want to be Mr. Serious Actor guy or, right. or maybe Funny Man Jim Carrey guy, you know, whatever. Mm. Um, but uh, I really thought that I wasn't, I grew up doing so much musical theater. I thought, well, that's going to be something that I'll do later on in New York. You don't come to L.A. Right. to do musicals. Right. <laughs> and But yeah, once we started um, recording the songs and learning the choreography and doing the, the, the pre-production and, and rehearsing, it was like, wow, this is such a good fit. And yeah. I'm so happy to be here. And yeah, it was silly and cheesy and over the top and all of that stuff. It's but for kids. Yeah. You know, in its defense. <laughs> totally. And, you know, uh, the thing is, is, like, entertainment comes in all shapes and sizes. And, right. And movies, you need movies of all different mm-hmm. shapes and sizes to, to because you never know, you know, we all need to be entertained in different ways at different times. Right. Um, and that took me a long time to... <laughs> to to believe that with high school musical but at the time it was really just about the experience and the experience right. was pretty amazing yeah uh, kenny was um kenny ortega kenny ortega the director director um, who's also what like done tons of michael jackson videos mm-hmm. like the movie xanadu uh all, all, as far back as that yeah um, he did dirty dancing yeah he was the, like, s- the choreographer of dirty dancing and second unit uh director he directed the parade scene in ferris bueller's day off right uh and of course hocus pocus and mm-hmm. newsies um were his two big disney movies in the 90s um so it's a big deal yeah. yeah. No. And and he just his uh incredible talent is rallying people and inspiring people and and he he had a way to take my cynical ass attitude <laughs> uh and just totally whip it around and and feel emotional about singing these, you know, silly songs. Right. Right. Cuz right, they were right, silly right. to me but at first, but once mm-hmm. he said this has this has this is not going to work unless every moment of this movie has heart. And right. cheesy is just cheesy, but if you have if you're really trying to connect with people and tell a story, that's inspiring and that that is what translates to real and all of that, you right. know. Right. Not that the acting was um that real and awesome <laughs> by any of us. <laughs> but that's how yeah. that's you know, that gave it its charm. Yeah, and it's sort of that Disney formula too, in a way, you know, they just know it's almost they just have a weird sense of, oh, that's just cheesy enough, but not too cheesy. Right. You know, I don't know. They know their audience extremely well. I and mean, it was extremely successful. I when I heard uh one of the executive producers, Bill Borden, um, who's become a good friend of mine, uh, he was telling me years down the line the story of how it got to Russia. Because mm-hmm. 
every, you know, it went to a lot of European countries and, and um, South American countries first, like right off the bat, super easy. You know, any place that loves American movies, whatever is fine. But in Asia and in Russia, uh, it just wasn't, um, it, it, they had a lot of resistance because they're like, mm. you have cheerleaders and you're, you're singing about things that are so American right. and our children are ha- not going to have any connection to that whatsoever. Right. And of course, when it became a hit in Russia, I was like, okay, that, that <laughs> says something. That's, that's pretty, yeah. it's pretty crazy. And it ended up being the number one selling album in the world that year. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. And then the next year, the number one selling album in the world was High School Musical 2 soundtrack. Jeez, that's incredible. <laughs> well, obviously somebody knows something that I don't know. <laughs> you know right? Well, Which, they had okay. so many great uh, uh, people who, I mean, you know, shit. All of the people who were writing songs on that were, are, were writing for right. the, you know, the top pop artists at that time. Mm-hmm. So they got yeah. some... They got some good people. And it led to the concert tour where I was the bass player. That's how we met. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was that was amazing to me. Like, I, I couldn't believe, you don't know when they're like, oh, it's, it's these Disney kids and they're going to do a, they have a musical movie and they're going to do a concert. And you just don't, I didn't know what to expect whatsoever. From a made-for-cable made, made for cable TV movie musical. Right. That's going to turn into a concert. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, but it pays what? <laughs> oh. Okay, <laughs> and you know, it's Ricky Minor is the oh, is man. the band leader. Legend. The band is uh, you know all guys that I knew, and we're just like these guys are phenomenal players, and that was what was fun too because we took those songs and just really did it. Like you know, oh. it was a live band and and you know tracks and stuff, enhanced stuff, but like some of the best players in town playing this stuff, it just brought it to a whole different level. I I remember the first just opening the door to the rehearsal space the first time and hearing you guys play, I was just like, oh shit, this, this is, this is insane. (laughs) This is something incredible. And yeah, yeah, that was like best two months of my life. Yeah. That's Uh, cool. Incredible time. Incredible experience. Super low times for sure. Um, You know, it's, it's weird uh being thrust into that kind of lifestyle and and being on the road and right going from being on a bus and yeah going from 20,000 people screaming and mm-hmm. you can't hear yourself talk to the utter silence of of a bunk of a bunk <laughs> yeah, and yeah welcome to my life oh i know yeah. that's uh you were also the mc of the whole thing so that was another thing that was impressive to me we did well, the first tour was 48 shows, and then we went to South America and did stadiums after that. Speaking of being a hit, like then we're playing to 80,000 people in a stadium. Yeah. And uh, not one time down there, the power went out, if you remember right. Mm. And we had to like restart the show. Um, Is that and Venezuela? Kenny came on stage. It might have been. I'm not, I'm, I feel like it was early on. Oh, then that would... Uh, it might have been Argentina or... or uh, Chile or something, mm. but I don't remember the exact city. But but other than that, the point is flawless tour. Like there was never any problem ever. The show went off flawlessly every night, and you know that's just having. I mean, Vanessa was eighteen. Just having younger people, I, I just didn't know. I just feel like it was amazing. It, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it blew me away. It was. Uh, it was crazy. I. I. Corbin definitely... was seventeen, I think, yeah. at the time. Like. We got high school kids. I mean, you were older. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
It was amazing. But still, like none of us had had that any any experience that would be even close to that kind right. of uh, you know experience. Yeah, so this that, was an arena tour that turned into a stadium tour, and we had the top crews from. Nine Inch Nails and and J Lo and like the band members, you know, it was it was a real deal. Like I had older friends of mine that came out to the show when we were in New York, and and I was like, you know, it's for kids. It's like a high school thing. And he got done. He's like, that's not a kids show. That's that was just phenomenal concert. Yeah, you know what I mean, no, it was ninety minutes of just nonstop fun and yeah. uh, and just yeah, audio visual. The pyrotechnics, the the confetti cannons, yeah. We had Paul McCartney's uh, LED screen, right? Which at the time was the biggest one in the world. Wow, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, that was amazing. The opening of that, I mean, it's it's nerdy. It's it's a kids show. Okay? Yeah, but the opening of that concert, I was just like this with that low rumble and mm-hmm. the countdown of the basketball clock and stuff. It was genius. It yeah. was really great concert material you and, know what i mean and kenny is an amazing choreographer and director of film and television but man when he's directing a, a live show like that's when i feel like he's just unstoppable like yeah. it's incredible what he did with like you said you know it's like oh this is just it's a kid thing for you know it's musical yeah. whatever but no it was exciting and mm-hmm. thrilling um and yeah i i uh you know emceeing it was just uh i think that's one of the the most special things about all that i did with all the high school musical uh experiences and movies and stuff was just just being able to um i don't know i like what kid hasn't dreamt well maybe a lot but that was like my first dream was to be a rock star and to be right. on stage by myself with you know with a, an amazing band behind me and i just raised my hand with the microphone in my hand and, 20,000 people scream or 80,000 yeah, yeah. people scream. I mean, this is, right. there's just nothing better than that. Right. Like, it's <laughs> just, like, yeah. oh man, yeah. wait till I write home about this. <laughs> Mom's going to flip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made it. Yeah, and then we went down to the South America. You had to learn two different languages as well. Because I mean, we had teleprompters, I guess. Yeah, but yeah. There was also like all these things that could have been a disaster were just amazing. Yeah. I, I remember the hardest part was each, you know, uh, each country has a different you know, way that they say certain right. things. So sometimes it was damas y caballeros, uh, damas y caballeros, mm. or, you know, like every every region has a different, you know, right. thing. I like dialects. And I'm like, but you know, everyone knows that I don't actually speak Spanish and I am American and I'm clearly white. And they're like, yeah, but if you do this, you are, that's, you taking that next step yeah. is going to mean the world to them. To them, exactly, yeah. And mm-hmm. boy, were they right. That was yeah. incredible. The The responses that we had, um, we had amazing sell, sold out shows all across America that were very spirited, but nothing like right. it was down there. No. Like, incredible. No. And just in general, as audiences down there, I mean, they're just, they still love live music. You know, and like you know, stuff like that in yeah. a different way that America is sort of over it, or I don't even know. Yeah, no, it, like the band was easily one of my favorite parts. Um, you know, and, and it, it, it. I think I'm more of a musician. I'm not a real musician, but I'm more of one than the rest of the cast um, was. And so, having that kind of 
backing to us gave me so much. I mean, I just was so pumped um, right. and like yeah. just about to explode every every um, every show. So that was cool. Yeah, that was made it harder though in the bus trying to calm down. Right. Yeah. Especially because I was like, tr- I, I think I weighed 125 for four pounds. Um, <laughs> and I was like going nuts over this nutritionist. And like, so I wouldn't, I, like, I'd barely have a beer or whatever. Because oh, really? I'm like, oh, it's like too many calories. Whoa. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because I was drinking my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were definitely the band s- bus was nuts, man. It was just <laughs> off the chain every night. Well, you know, Corbin was on my right. bus and, you know, his mom was there for the first few dates. And then it, since it was a new bus, it had that chemical smell. Mm. And she was like literally having every time she got on the bus, she had this like massive migraine. So oh, she had wow. to go home and his dad, David, came and did the rest of the tour. So it was cool, but still it's like, you know. Yeah, you know what? I forgot about that actually. Uh, the tour manager sat the band down while we were rehearsing over at Sony, the, the final dress rehearsal. And the thing is like, okay, here's the deal. It's a, it's a no alcohol tour because we got kids on this thing. You guys are going to be able to drink, but I see one person giving any alcohol to these kids or whatever, you know, it's like, <laughs> it'll be over, you know? So we're like, okay, because we're all kind of wondering because we're bona fide adults. Like we're in our yeah. mid to late thirties and like, uh, yeah, I'm going to go out for two months on a bus and not have a drink. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> so, but I do remember that. I mean, we all ended up drinking together, especially South America and stuff, but yeah. Well, but, and the uh, tour, the, the security guards were on our bus as well. Oh, wow. The girls were like, you know, they, they had to have extra room for their bags. <laughs> so, right. We got, and and not I'm not that I'm complaining, but having right. the security guards, it was just like, oh well, there's room on the guys' bus. We'll right. just we'll just toss them in there. Yeah. Uh, but it actually turned out to be really fun. Um, and uh, yeah, we did we did throw back a couple of beers uh, occasionally. Not Corbin. Not right. not when, no. not before he turned 21. Right. Exactly. Because you shouldn't do that. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I used to call it Disney after dark. Yeah. Uh, one of our security guards, speaking of which, would always open the beer bottle with his teeth. Oh man. And I was like, that's the most badass thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and he was like six, eight. Yeah. Just, I don't know. Are you talking about Larry? No. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, Larry. Larry. Yeah. Larry. Yeah. Oh man. Love Larry. Big, huge. Yeah. He was awesome, dude. Great. And we got to meet Michael, Michael Jackson on that tour as well. Oh which my gosh. Blew my mind. What a crazy experience that was. Yeah, as you said Kenny's a good friend, and I remember we were in Vegas. It's like it was the second to last show because we we did Vegas and then we did the Staples Center, and that was the end of that first tour. Crazy, and uh, we and I also remember, and I might be wrong, but uh, I did do a lot of drinking, so maybe I'm wrong. But uh, it was the only show that started late. Yeah, so we it was because we were on time every, and it was an hour and a half show, and it was done. It was so much kind of cooler than other tours where you're like it could you go forever, and you yeah. never know. Um, but, uh, I just remember it being like the president was coming and we we're holding the show and then secret service guys come in and then Michael Jackson and his three kids, you know, and, and we had all kind of sequestered into a dressing room to, I mean, we didn't get to like hang out much because right. we were holding the show. Literally. So, yeah. It was like, great to meet you. But then I, I just remember watching him cause he sat right behind the sound booth and mm-hmm. they kind of cordoned it off with black curtains and stuff. And I'm just the whole show. I'm just like, that's Michael Jackson watching me play. Oh. Which yeah. supposedly, according to Kenny, inspired him to do This Is It. Right. 
No, that was crazy. I don't know what what was more nerve wracking performing for the King of Pop while wearing sequenced fedoras and and <laughs> you know outfits obviously inspired by him right. and what he had done in the past, or performing in front of eighty thousand people in in Brazil. Um, both both were just like this will never happen again moments. Right. And uh, yeah, you know, you just have to take all of those mental pictures as yeah. much as you can and, and um, try to try to cherish those, those times. Cause yeah, that that's what was so crazy highs and lows. Cause it's like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is real life. Oh, five seconds from now, this is not going to be real life anymore. I mean, we're mm. not going to continue to be rock stars for the rest of our lives. Right. Um, right. So yeah, it Interesting. was it was definitely a crazy crazy experience. Yeah. And the fandom was insane and just out of control, which kind of brings me to just to get off the top of music. I just want to tell the story to the world because it's one of my favorite stories cuz we've hung out a lot, you know, you know. Uh but six I remember <laughs> at least six and a at half. At least six and a half times. <laughs> we wrote a song every time. <laughs> <laughs> but um uh, but one of my favorite stories is walking through Vegas and me and you and Autumn and your mom, I believe, mm-hmm. and you, and Switched at Birth had just come out and it was a it's a it's a show about deaf people essentially and and it kind of showed deaf people in a new way and the whole show was based around it and yeah. you were signing and stuff. But we ran into this couple and they were both deaf and they recognized you and. I had been around you a lot with high school music, sure, high sure. school musical fans coming up and recognizing you. Totally different situation. These people were just blown away. It was just like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And like, just the, the way that they expressed was way, was so different. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a really moving thing to me and you signed to them a little bit and stuff, but did that feel like a shift, you know, in the rest of, the way that you interacted with the people, you know, with your fans, or was that just sort of a moment in time? Or did you, did you feel like you were doing an important show at that point? You know, um, uh, Autumn's brought it up a couple of times that there's just something, uh, it's not every project that I do, but so many of the things that I've been lucky enough to be a part of have some sort of special, um, thing to them. And yeah, you know, it always starts off the same way. I get this job. Oh, it's my first TV role. Well, that's that. That'll be cool. Maybe it'll. Maybe you know, doing the. It wasn't my first pilot. First pilot I did was a David E. Kelly pilot. Everyone was like, "Get your get your uh, checkbooks ready because <laughs> you know your life's about to change. You're on a Dave, David E. Kelly show, and it right. didn't get picked up. So wow. I was like, oh, and so you know, this show came along. Uh, I thought, well, it might get picked up. Who knows? And it did. Oh, maybe it'll go a season. Maybe two. Who knows? Right. You know, five five seasons later, seven years later, we're yeah. you know yeah. uh, still going. So, it yeah, it um, having experiences like that uh, are really great um, markers and reminders of of you know it's just a, a different perception each time that I get further away from High School Musical. I think about those fan experiences and. And in a different way than obviously when it's happening and, and you, you know, it's uh, a lot to kind of take in all at once. And same went for Switch to Birth. Um, at first it was like, well, of, you know, it's definitely a mixture with the High School Musical and the Switch to Birth, you know, fans and stuff. But 
meeting someone who was deaf and that I could actually communicate with right um for the first time in it and that that was the special thing it's like without doing that project obviously those people they may have recognized me from high school musical but they probably wouldn't have stopped me cuz they're like oh well he's he's hearing and you know right so right. we'll just we'll just skip over that but wow. since they had seen me sign on television and since it was an important show to them because we were you know shedding light on the deaf community which no tv show really i mean tv shows have done that but we we were the first television series i believe to have series regulars multiple series regulars that were deaf right and so um yeah to have that kind of interaction and and that that's what you know makes it so important when you meet those people who you know we were talking about live uh performances as opposed to filming things earlier it's like y- you have to start i live for those moments because that's that live interaction that i have with people and 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 i battle so much of uh, my career, I have battled so much of my career with validity of of what I do because so much so much of the time, mm. you know, you just kind of feel like you're a puppet or 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 just you know a silly guy dancing, and it's right. like I'm not a doctor, I'm not you know building homes for the homeless, I'm not you know I, I feel kind of um, right frivolous sometimes, but meeting someone like that and actually getting to communicate with them in a way that would have never happened if it weren't for that TV show is really cool, special. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I totally, I think that's goes hand in hand with any sort of art. It's like, especially in these times when shit gets real in the real mm-hmm. world, you start to feel pretty insignificant, you know? Definitely. And you're, yeah, I struggle with the same thing, you know, but. Yeah, especially locked in, in, uh, in your house. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I want to go that dark, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Understood. (laughs) Well, hey, there's, I mean. We were doing so good. I know. (laughs) But hey, we're both dark people. Um, Yeah. uh, We have dark moments and and that, I think everybody has dark moments. That's, That's just like. Well, it's the creative people in us also sort of uh it forces us to explore or to i don't know we pay attention to darkness differently than i think people that aren't creative or don't make art or don't you know it's it's sort of what we use to to make what we make right so you have to have a relationship with it which keeps you close to it exactly (laughs) and when the world is handing you extra doses of it it's hard to know when to put it away exactly you know Unless you're a sociopath. Right. And then, yeah. Then uh, you don't have to be an artist. You can just live in that dark place. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't even think you know that it's dark. Oh, it's dark. Right. Yeah. You know, I don't even think, think you think that it's dark. It's yeah. just like there is no emotion to anything. Totally. You know, but, uh, well. That was a great thing to end on, right? I know. We're getting towards the end. How do I pull this out of this? You're really trying my skills. Well, the other thing that I thought, just to go back to High School Musical, and I didn't want to talk this much about it, but I'll tell you, the time flies so fast when you get into this. But the other thing that you had brought up, too, is like when we did that tour, we were, you know, fifteen to 20,000 kids a night, their first concert. 
Yeah. You know, so now a whole generation of people saw us as their first concert, you yeah. know? So that's, that's pretty important too. Is, I forgot is, about that. <laughs> yeah. That was really cool. Meeting kids at the meet and greet or, or, uh, out by the bus after the shows and yeah, hearing them being like, um, that was my first concert ever. And it was so cool. And I can't yeah. believe I'm meeting you right now. And yeah. Yeah. That was really special. As, as long as the parents kept their mouths shut, uh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> parents were you, definitely man. the worst. Yeah. And then, then when they feel justified because it's their kids, if yeah. they were the fan, they probably would have been better behaved, but totally. they're, they're doing it for their kid. Well, and just watching people just just have the the worst behavior as an example for their kid but they're doing it for their kid they want can we just get one autograph it's for my kid you know yeah. or like uh yeah yeah it's and, a it's a trip and then you look at the kid and and they're mortified and they're yeah, like exactly. no mom please get me away from here right. i don't i'm so embarrassed and i yeah. even if i get that autograph i'm going to hate you forever <laughs> <laughs> now there is one great story that i i I've told a few times that I remember one of we ended the show with we're all in this together. The confetti cannons go and then we do one more chorus and everyone's singing and, you know, dancing together. And uh, looking out in the crowd, there was a guy with his daughter on his shoulders and she's just singing along, having the greatest time ever. And tears are streaming down from his face. <laughs> and it was like, that was definitely yeah. one of those special moments of like, oh man, that's really cool that he's having that you you just got a like a little window into their life and it was like oh that's cool that they're having that moment that right. they're going to have forever yeah and um you know yeah I and mean, that's important father daughter moments are cute yeah and in a way it's it's more important because it's for kids yeah you know it's not just punk rock for a bunch of rebels or like you know there's totally. which you know you could argue any of it's important but you can also argue it argue that none of it is <laughs> you know yeah so. definitely so, no, of course, all I wanted when, you know, when we were doing it was, God, oh, if, if, if only I was singing songs that I had written about, you know, the darkest moments of my life <laughs> and people right. were singing along the, to those lyrics, right? then it would have been amazing. Yeah. No, bro. Yeah. That was incredible. Yeah. So. <laughs> and I had the other, uh, the same, I've told the story a bunch too, but like standing on the, the, the stage in front of 80,000 people thinking, well, I'm not playing here with Madonna or Elton John, but this is it. Like yeah. this is what they do. This is the life that they lead. Um, this is um, I've made it. You know, like this to a certain it. level. You know, like it, <laughs> it, it was it was special in its own way. And like you're totally right. Looking back now, it's like, well, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. I I will always uh, look back on that fondly. I mean, you know, uh, even the tough times and the dark moments taught me so much about myself and, um, you know, definitely it's one of the things that made the cast and I so close. And right. even if we bickered or whatever, we I mean, were, we are a family. We always mm. will be. And, you know, to go through an experience like that, that's just so crazy Yeah, with a group of people that I would never pick out on the street and say, yeah, the six of us should be friends. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was like, oh, wow. Yeah. This is, 
this is something that we will always share. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I talk about it a lot because I was with Keiko Matsui for 12 years, and we used to go to Eastern Eastern Europe. Oh, Lots man. of accordions. It, Siberia. Literally into Siberia, riding on buses with barely any heat. and like. But you get back, and you look at your bandmates, and it's like coming back from war. Yeah. You know, it's not. I didn't, I didn't lose a limb or see anybody die, but... It's, you know, it's a bonding experience that you can't get anywhere else. And like I said, I don't, you know, so, you know, I was a musical director, so I got to choose a little bit of, of who was going to be on those tours, but you don't, you know, it's, it's your job. You're going to go out with these people and whether you like them or not, doesn't really matter. You're going to have to get through this and you, you know, and, and you, you end up being so bonded. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting. The adventure. You, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Sure. Um. Well, this has been an absolutely fabulous talk, man. Thanks. There was so much more on my list, but it, you know, it, it, we're going to have to do it again. Much. I talk <laughs> but you live much. up the street; you can come over and yeah, we'll totally. do a new episode no, too. But I didn't feel like this was a, an interview at all. I, I feel like this is what I mean. We were doing this last week. Just we get into a room sometimes and, and talk into microphones at each other. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of owning the gear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah no but i anyways. loved it i i thank you so much for having me this is great well i hope you enjoyed that i really had a good time talking to lucas graybill what a cool guy he is and i really liked his blockbuster story talking about how you know he was offered this management position you know many times and a future at blockbuster but he kept his eye on the ball and he kept and he said no to those things that were going to distract him. And in a way, the easy money, he was already in. He could have done that. And to look into the eyes of Los Angeles and try to have an acting career, it's it can be pretty daunting. And when someone hands you an, a, an offer, sometimes it's tempting to take. But he wouldn't be where he is today, obviously, if he had taken that offer. So it's a good thing to keep in mind if you're going to uh, attempt a career in music, especially in Los Angeles. you got to keep your eye on the ball. And he also mentioned that he's not a real musician. And I think what he means by that is like, this isn't his total living and he hasn't studied music, but uh, let me set your mind at ease. He's very talented <laughs> and he's, he plays guitar and keyboards and, and a bit of drums and he sings and writes songs and he's a super talented musician because he's not a professional. And I respect that, that he, he sort of, that he doesn't call himself a musician all the time. Um, because, you know, he's, he's seen guys that really are great players as well and have, have spent their whole life studying music and he, and he has some respect for that as well. So I thought that was pretty cool of him, but I also thought that it's worth mentioning in case you're like, no, Lucas, you are a real musician. And I think it's about definition. He definitely plays music. He plays it at a, at a, at a fairly high level. And he also respects the fact that other people dedicate their lives to being the best musicians that they possibly can. So the videos that I mentioned that he did for primetime was for the Disney sing-along that aired on April 16th on ABC, where they had a high school musical reunion, as most of you know, because I'm sure you all tuned in and watched that. The Little Women movie that he was in, it came out in 2018, and it was directed by Claire Niederprum. So check that out. And Switched at Birth, the show that he was on, is not going any longer. It kind of sounds like it, it was by that interview. But it last aired on January 31st, 2017. 
And lastly, the High School Musical soundtrack was the best-selling TV soundtrack of 2006, and the High School Musical 2 soundtrack was the best-selling album of 2007. And this is all according to Wikipedia, so you can take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> well, I hope you guys had a good time. I'm a Wow, you've made it to the end. I'm hoping it's because you completely enjoyed yourself and are now filled with knowledge and inspiration to move forward with your dreams. If that is the case and you would like to stay informed of new episodes, live events, and general news, please go to divebarrockstar.com and sign up for the mailing list. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or complaints about anything you hear on the show, please email me at fanmail at divebarrockstar.com and you may even end up on the show. We at the Dive Bar Rockstar Podcast, with all of our hearts, thank you for listening, and remember, it's all about dreams. 